This morning's study is going to be a little different. We're not going to do an in-depth study into a Bible text from the Gospel of Mark. Instead, we're going to do an in-depth study into three men and the three different perspectives that they have of the cross. The three men are the Roman governor Pilate, who finally sentenced Jesus to be crucified, the criminal Barabbas, who was freed instead of Jesus, and a bystander, Simon of Cyrene, who was forced to carry Jesus' cross. And what might surprise you in today's study is that their perspectives of the cross have something profound to say about what our perspectives should be towards the cross. Let's begin by reading a portion of Matthew's account of Jesus' trial before Pilate. Going to be reading Matthew 27, 15 through 26. Now it was the governor's custom at the feast to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner named Barabbas, and so when the crowd had, when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? For he knew it was out of envy that they had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called the Christ? Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why, what crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, let his blood be on us and on our children. And then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you so very much for this chance today uh, to just study your word together with the folks that are listening. And and God, I pray that you will just bless our time uh, in the scripture. God, we're so thankful for your word and we pray that your word now will guide our lives. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. I remember when I saw the movie, The Passion of the Christ, for the first time. It it all seemed so real, as if you were right there watching it happen. You saw Jesus praying and struggling in the Garden of Gethsemane. You, You saw Judas betray him, and an angry crowd arrest him. You you saw saw this sham trial before the high priest Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin. You saw the trial before the Roman governor Pilate. You, You saw the crowd pleading for the criminal Barabbas to be released and pleading for Jesus to be crucified. You saw Pilate giving in to the crowd and ordering Jesus' crucifixion. You saw Pilate washing his hands of any responsibility. 
You, you saw Jesus being mocked and beaten repeatedly by the soldiers. You saw Simon of Cyrene being forced to carry the cross. And you saw Jesus being nailed to the cross and crucified. Again, it all seems so real, especially on the big screen. So real that as I've told you before, I literally hid my eyes from the horrific parts that I could not stand to watch. To think that Jesus endured all of that for me. Here's what I want you to understand this morning. And that is in some sense, you and I were there at the cross. There is a traditional spiritual that asks the question, were you there? And some of the words of this song go like this. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? The implied answer to the song's question, were you there, is yes. Yes, you were there. As a matter of fact, I believe our perspective towards the cross changes when we realize that we played a part in Jesus' passion story. Today we're going to consider these three perspectives of the cross from these three men who were there. And these three, these three perspectives of the cross, they may be our perspectives as well. The first perspective of the cross, like Pilate, we may blame others for the cross. There is some new information about Pilate that we find in Matthew's account that we didn't find last week in Mark's. One detail is that Pilate's wife had a dream about Jesus. Look again, Matthew 27, 19, while Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. And so Pilate is on the judgment seat. He is ready to render a verdict in Jesus' case. He is already convinced that Jesus hasn't done anything wrong, certainly nothing wrong deserving of death. Then Pilate receives this urgent message from his wife telling him about this terrible dream that she had about Jesus and pleading with him to have nothing to do with this innocent man. In essence, Pilate's wife was telling him to let Jesus go, to just send him away. Certainly don't punish him. And that is what uh, Pilate, I think, really wanted to do. But when the crowd wanted him to release the criminal Barabbas instead of Jesus, and the crowd just kept shouting and shouting louder and louder to crucify Jesus, he finally relented and ordered that Jesus be crucified. However, before Pilate sentenced Jesus, he does something else. Look at how today's scripture ended, Matthew 27, 23 through 26. Why, what crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. 
when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, let his blood be on us and on our children. And then he released Barabbas to them. And he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Pilate washed his hands of any responsibility for Jesus' suffering and death. I am innocent of this man's blood. This responsibility, it's yours. And the Jewish crowd took full responsibility for Jesus' suffering and death, they and their children. But really, who was to blame for Jesus' agony? I mean, really, there is plenty of blame to go around. The Sanhedrin and the chief priests were the ones that brought Jesus to Pilate with false accusations. Plus, they were the ones who stirred up the crowd to plead for Jesus to be crucified. You could also blame the Roman soldiers, who were the one who eventually carried out Jesus' crucifixion. And though Pilate tried to shift blame to others, he had to accept some responsibility for Jesus' death. I mean, he was the Roman governor. He was the one in control. He had the power to prevent it. However, there is someone else to blame for what happened on the cross. And that someone else is you, and it's me. We are as responsible for Jesus' suffering and death as the Jewish leaders, as the Jewish crowd, as the Roman soldiers, and as Pilate. See, it was our sins as well as their sins that ultimately is responsible for Jesus' death on the cross. The Apostle Peter said it this way, 1 Peter 2.24. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. We may want to play the same blame game that Pilate played and blame others for the cross. But the truth is, you and I, as well as every other person, are the ones responsible for Jesus going to the cross. It was our wrongs that put him there. Do you see how that should change the perspective that we have of the cross? We we like pointing our fingers at others, blaming them. But God's finger is pointing right at us. We are the ones to blame. For the death of Jesus on the cross. But like Pilate, we may blame others for the cross. Then the second perspective of the cross, like Barabbas, we can be set free by the cross. We were introduced to Barabbas last Sunday in Mark 15, verse number 7. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. Barabbas was kind of this freedom fighter. He was doing all that he could to free Israel from Roman rule. While the chief priest falsely accused Jesus of causing an uprising, Barabbas and his team of insurrectionists were actually causing an uprising. 
If that meant they had to murder Romans in the process, they murdered Romans in the process. If that meant they had to steal from Rome, they stole from Rome. And it was for all of that that Barabbas was in prison and sentenced to die. You know, there are some movies that portray Barabbas as an evil villain, and certainly he was that. But many Jews regarded him as a famous hero for opposing Roman rule. He and the others were considered like Robin Hood and his mighty men. Don't let any of that, though, take away from the fact that he had murdered and robbed. And for those crimes, he was sentenced to die by the Rome, by, by the Romans. And possibly even the two men crucified with Jesus were some of Barabbas' partners. We don't know. But when Pilate offered the choice to free either the criminal Barabbas or the innocent Jesus, the crowd chose loudly to free the criminal Barabbas and crucify the innocent Jesus. We pick up the story, Mark 15, verses 14 and 15. Why, what crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. I mean, think about it. Barabbas, the murderer and robber, is released and set free. And Jesus, the perfect Son of God, is handed over to be crucified. The one who has done wrong was freed. And the one who had done no wrong was killed. We have no idea how that may have impacted Barabbas' life. The Bible tells us nothing more about him. He could have simply gone back to the rebellion against Rome. He could have possibly become a disciple of Jesus. We don't know. But we do, what we do know is that we are exactly like Barabbas. Now I'm not suggesting that any of us are insurrectionists, are murderers, or robbers. But all of us have done some things wrong in our life, and the Bible makes that truth perfectly clear. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 3.23, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standards. That, that's the bad news, that we've all sinned. The next verse is the good news, Romans 3.24. Yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. What, what Pilate did for Barabbas physically, sparing him from his death sentence, that is what Jesus can do for us spiritually, freeing us from our death sentence. See, according to the Scriptures, what we deserve because of our sin... We, we deserve to die spiritually and be separated from God for eternity. But graciously, Jesus died on the cross, the death that we deserve, dying both physically and spiritually for us and our sins. So that when we put our faith in Jesus and His sacrifice, our sins are forgiven. And we are freed from sin's punishment. Paul said it this way in Ephesians 1.7. He is so rich, that is God is so rich, 
in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. As with Barabbas, we as sinners are set free because of our faith in Jesus, the perfect son of God, who was handed over to be crucified. The ones who have done wrong can be free because the one who did no wrong was killed. Do you you see how that changes our perspective of the cross? It is the gospel message for us. Like Barabbas, we can be set free by the cross. And finally, the third perspective of the cross. Like Simon of Cyrene, we must carry the cross. We are introduced to Simon in Mark 15, verse 21. This is as the Roman soldiers were leading Jesus out of Jerusalem to be crucified. It says a certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. It was a common practice among the Romans that the criminal to be crucified would carry their own cross, at least the the crossbar of their cross to the place of execution. It has been estimated that the crossbar alone could weigh somewhere between 75 and 125 pounds. Now that would be a difficult task for any man to do, to carry that. But remember, Jesus has been beaten repeatedly and flogged. And so at some point on the journey to Golgotha's hill, Jesus was simply too weak to carry his own cross. That's when Simon was forced by the soldiers to take over and carry Jesus' cross the rest of the way. Imagine here is Simon. He has traveled now from Cyrene in the north of Africa to Jerusalem for the Passover with all of its feasting and celebration. He probably knew nothing about Jesus and he probably had no desire to be associated with a criminal who was on his way to be crucified. But the Roman soldiers gave him no choice. Simon was forced to carry Jesus' cross which may have been an event that forever changed his life. It is interesting that Mark describes Simon as the father of Alexander and Rufus, who were apparently leaders in the church of Rome, and it is that church that was the recipient of Mark's gospel. It would seem that Simon came to believe in Jesus, and he passed on that belief to his sons. Plus, Simon also knew what it really meant to take up one's cross and follow Jesus. And that is exactly what Jesus requires from us us, if we're to be his disciples, to take up our cross and follow him. Remember what he said about discipleship back in Mark 8, 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with the disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Simon knew exactly what Jesus meant. It didn't matter what plans he may have had during the Passover feast. He was forced that day to carry the cross. 
And in some sense, it doesn't matter what plans we may have for our lives. If we want to be Jesus' disciples, we must, and notice that word must, we must deny ourselves and our plans, take up our cross, sacrificing our will to do God's will, and we must follow Jesus, His life, and His teachings. You think Simon carrying Jesus' cross was a difficult task? Denying yourself and taking up your cross and following Jesus is a more difficult task. But that is the very task that Jesus requires from us if we are to be his disciples. To give him your, your greatest loyalty. To love him with your greatest love and to give him your greatest commitment. Just listen to these words from Jesus. Luke fourteen twenty five through 27 Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Jesus wanted the crowd to know that there was a cost to being a disciple, a high cost of being a disciple. It will require them and require us loving Him above everything else and above everyone else. To make that point, He used emotional and challenging to make that point, He used very emotional and challenging language. Saying that you must hate your family and hate your own life if you want to be His disciple. Please understand that Jesus doesn't want us to literally hate our families and hate ourselves. He just wants us to love Him a lot more. He desires us to please Him above all. Our lives as disciples are to be all about Him. All about honoring Him and loving Him and serving Him and pleasing Him and worshiping Him and obeying Him and following Him. Simon understood that. And we must understand what it means to be a disciple, to carry our cross. As I prepared for this message, I remembered something that happened many years ago when I was serving down in Alton. One of the area churches put on a Good Friday program on the Stations of the Cross. You could, we'd go from room to room in the church building where they dramatized various scenes from Jesus' suffering and death. In one of the rooms, they had Jesus falling under the weight of the cross and the Roman soldiers wanting someone in the crowd to be Simon and pick up his cross. As an introvert, I, I stood in the back of the group and hoped that they would not choose me. But they chose me. And I remember I refused. That wasn't a big thing. There were there was plenty of others who were ready to be Simon. However, I have to admit that has always kind of bothered me. If I can't be Simon in a little play, am I am I carrying my cross for Jesus? I mean, that's a question for all of us to answer. Are we carrying our cross for Jesus? 
Are we desiring to be his disciples? Denying ourselves. Taking up our cross. And following him. That brings us to our practical applications this morning. What do we want to do as a result of this morning's message? Let me suggest three things. Number one. Recognize that you and your sins are to blame for Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Don't blame others. Take what Jesus did upon the cross personally. He died for me. And he died for you. Number two, know that your sins are forgiven and you are set free by your faith in Jesus and his death on the cross. Now again, Jesus' death made it possible for all of us to be set free. But we accept that gift when we put our faith in Jesus. And that's our encouragement to you. To put your faith in Jesus. And know that your sins are forgiven. And you are set free from sin's punishment. And then last of all, accept the challenge of being a disciple of Jesus. Denying yourself. Taking up your cross. And following Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you so much for this challenge. It it is a challenge for me, as much as it is a challenge for anyone who's listening. And so, God, I pray that you will just work in each of our lives. God, we thank you so very much for what your Son did for us upon the cross. And God, I pray that each individual who's listening will know the blessing of knowing that their sins have been forgiven by putting their faith in your Son and His sacrifice. I also pray that we as your disciples will take serious our call to discipleship of taking up our cross, denying ourselves, and following your Son. Work in us now. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As always, we we thank you for listening. We invite you to share with us every Sunday on the radio, but you're more than welcome to come and worship with us on Sunday morning at at 1030 as well. We, We pray that you'll have a great week ahead, and if there's some way that we can minister to you, please don't hesitate to get in contact with us. There would be nothing better for us than to be able to just lead you to a closer relationship with Jesus. Y'all have a great week. Look forward to sharing with you again next Sunday.